Well, so far in this study, we've seen how John has set out four barriers to fellowship with God. And he has described those barriers as sin, broken relationships, love for the world, and the denial of the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as he continues his letter, he shifts his attention to the question of how we can know if the faith that we profess is real. And over the next couple of chapters, he's going to present four different tests of true faith. And if you want to know if you are in fellowship with God and that the faith you profess is real, then he tells us what we need to look out for in these next few ch- couple of chapters. Now let's begin here by reading from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. This is what we read. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has his hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, he as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes practice a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. The Apostle John begins here by challenging his readers to abide in Christ. Listen to what he says in verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Now, to abide in Christ, of course, is to trust him and to walk in his purpose and to rest in him. And John gives us three reasons why we need to abide in Christ. First, so that we can have confidence when he returns. Second, so that we will not shrink back from him when he returns. And third, so that we will not be ashamed at his appearance. Now, The assumption here 
is that it's possible for believers to be ashamed at the coming of the Lord Jesus. The fact is that not all believers are fruitful and faithful to the Lord. Not all believers are using their spiritual gifts that the Lord has given to them. There are believers who have gotten caught up in error, and and some find themselves loving the world and, and falling into sin. In other words, it's possible for a believer to get sidetracked. And so John challenges these believers to abide in Christ, so that they will not be ashamed at his appearing. Now, the question we must ask ourselves here is this. How how do we know that our faith is genuine and true? Well, John answers that question here by telling us that those who walk in truth practice righteousness. Verse 29, he says this, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now consider this for a moment. Righteousness is a right standing with God, and that relates to being in a right relationship with him. A person is righteous when he or she is forgiven of their sins and has nothing standing between them and their father. Being righteous has nothing to do with us. In fact, it has everything to do with the Lord Jesus and the pardon that he offers. We were guilty, but Christ Jesus died for our sins and has forgiven us and gives us a right standing with God. We're not righteous because we're good. We're righteous because we are pardoned by Jesus Christ. But look at what Paul said, or John says, rather, in verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Paul tells his readers that if Jesus is righteous, then everyone who is born of him practices righteousness. Now, John speaks here about the practice of righteousness. If righteousness is our condition before God, our right standing with God, then the practice of righteousness is the fruit of that condition. It's the lifestyle of those who are righteous, and they live righteous lives because they are righteous in a right standing with God. And this right standing with God is demonstrated in how we live and how we speak. And so what John is telling us here is that those who have been born of God will show the fruit of this in their lives. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, Or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. If an apple tree produces bananas, you know there's a problem. The easiest way to identify a tree is by the fruit it bears. If you say you have a genuine faith, then that will be evident in the fruit of righteousness that is produced in your life. Now, admittedly, every tree has its bad branches that need to be pruned, and that's true for us as well. But if that tree has no good branches, 
you have to wonder if it's actually connected to any kind of life source and if it is even alive. And so John tells us here that a tree is known by its fruit. And true faith is demonstrated by the fruit that it produces in us. Now, every child has the DNA of the father and mother in them. And 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 tells us that, tells us about the love of the Father towards us. And he says this, this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And, and so John tells us here that God demonstrates his love by sending his Son to die for us, and that we were born again through that act as children of God, and the very DNA of the the. the the God himself is in us. The very presence of the Spirit of Christ lives in us. That new birth through the ministry of God's Spirit radically changes our DNA. And notice what John tells us here in, in verse 3. The reason why the world, uh, verse 1 rather, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. There is such a change that took place in our lives that the world no longer knows us or understands us. And the reason for this is because it does not know the Father. If they knew the Father, they would see him in us. They would see his DNA in us. They would, they would under, if they would understand our heart, if they knew the heart of the Father, they would understand our ways, if they knew the ways of the Father. And just as a child demonstrates the character of the father and mother, so the believer now reveals his or her true character by revealing and reflecting the character of Christ. And so our new birth causes us to reflect the very nature of Jesus Christ and God the Father. And the world does not know us because it does not understand or know the Father. Now, admittedly, it's not until we mature and are older that we begin to truly demonstrate the family resemblance in appearance, in personality, and in character traits. And that's no different in our spiritual walk. In fact, listen to what John tells us here in verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has yet not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Now, admittedly, we are a long way off from demonstrating in perfection the character of God and and the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. Other elements of his character continually being demonstrated through us, but none of us reflects Christ perfectly in this world. But John tells us that that is where we are heading. The work of God's Spirit in us is to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. That is our destiny as his children. 
And it is the hope of every believer in fellowship with God that they will become like Jesus Christ. In fact, listen to what John tells us in verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. The hope of every true believer is to be like his or her heavenly Father. And the one who loves the Father and is in fellowship with him wants to be like him and to please him. And this believer who has his hope will purify himself or herself just as God is pure, so they too will want and desire to be like God. Where there is true faith... There will also be a desire to purify ourselves so that we can be like him. Now, John goes on to explain what a life of sin tells us about our fellowship with God. If you're living in a life of sin, this is what he says. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin. And in him, there is no sin. And no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has ever seen him or known him. Now, John speaks here about a person who has a lifestyle of sinfulness. And he tells us that those who abide in Christ cannot continue in living in a lifestyle of sinfulness. The true believer will not be content to remain in his or her sin because of two things. One, the inner conviction of the Spirit of God who lives within the life of the believer. And second, because of what John tells us in verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. And the true believer who, who loves the Lord Jesus and is indebted to him for salvation and eternal life, that this true believer who, who knows that Jesus came to die for their sin is moved by the very Spirit of God to honor the Lord Jesus and his work for them and on their behalf. And as a result, out of respect for Christ and his work, the true believer, the one with true, genuine faith, will turn from sin and evil that repulses him. And John explains this more fully in verses 8 and 9 when he says this, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning, and the reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. See, the one who's born of God, according to John, has the very seed of God in him, the very DNA of God, the very spirit of God. And that seed of God in them motivates them to turn from sin. Notice here that John tells us that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning because of that seed that abides in him. Now, that's not to say the believer doesn't sin. We certainly do fall into sin. But the presence of God's spirit, the very seed of God and the passion for Christ that he produces in us will not allow the true believer to remain in that place. There is no one so miserable as the believer who lives in sin and rebellion against God. 
There is a hard cry in the true believer, the one who has true, genuine faith for Christ and to be in fellowship with him. And if the faith you profess does not generate this passion for Christ or does not motivate you to live a holy life, then you need to ask yourself if the faith you have is real. You need to go before God and you need to ask him to give you a genuine faith that is life-transforming. And you need to reconsider the obstacles that stand in the way of you knowing and experiencing that genuine faith. And so John concludes his argument here with these words. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. The tree that produces bananas is a banana tree. He or she who is in fellowship with God will show the fruit of a right standing with God. Their lives will reveal that they have been with God. And so what is the test of true faith? John tells us that those who truly belong to the Lord Jesus should submit themselves to the test of righteousness. Evidence of true faith is found in our character. And we understand that the flesh is active and seeks our attention. And that flesh must continue to be crucified in us. And and we must never feed it or satisfy its desires. But for those who belong to Christ, however, there is a new nature within them. And that new nature is what we want to see evidence of in our lives. It's that new nature with, that we identify with now. We've divorced that old flesh in, in its nature, and we're no longer have any, we no longer have any right to it, nor it to us. And, and we're defined now by who we are in Jesus Christ, and that new life has a passion for Christ. It's not perfect, but the Spirit of God continues to work in us, and we're learning to surrender to Him and to His work, and His mature and producing the works of righteousness in us, and all who belong to Jesus know this inner working of the Spirit of Christ and this new nature that he is creating within them that has a passion to live a righteous and holy life. And so the first test of true faith is the test of righteousness. And the question we ask ourselves is this, does the faith I profess produce within me the fruit of righteousness. Mm-hmm.